Around the NFL Podcast. The season is here. Oh, God. Oh, God is right. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. Dan Hans is here, joined in a room filled with some heroes, a virtual room, that is. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. Boys, here we are. Now, this will be our ninth season together. We started in the summer of 2013, and since then we've done somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,200 shows. By my count, oh yeah, at least, what was that, Mark? Oh, yeah. I said nothing. That was Greg oh. uttering some sort of words. At least 1,200 shows. We've had at least six producers. I was going to say 600, but I, by my count, <laughs> about six producers. We've been to eight Super Bowls as, as a group, two London games, three if J.J. Watt's manager didn't get mad at us. <laughs> Ice Cube was on the show once, as was Lil Debbie, multiple mm. times. Mm-hmm. Get your act together, bro. You're trash. A serial killer almost iced Erica last year. <laughs> Wes ate pieces of a softball pants sprinkled over a four-foot hot dog once. Mm. Wes. Wes. Yes, we miss that dude. This will be our first journey, boys, without him, but he is with us in spirit. Well, football is back. I, I guess today it's like a fit, like that's for real. This is really This it. is real. You, We're you in can now. Do it, you could do it again on Sunday because it's like that's the football is back again. This time it, it counts. Um, I do want to point out it was Mark who made that sound early. I'm just a pro. I would never cut <laughs> someone off. Uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you guys later today, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe it was yesterday. We're going to be taping our Thursday night recap all together this week uh, over at uh, Keisha Manor. So I'm excited about that. I will. Let me just to be to clarify. It was a recording of my voice that Erica, you know, pumped into the program. It was not me. Um, and I would also note this, whenever oh, you're yeah. listening to this, if you have not already done so, um, I had the pleasure of reading this this morning. Greg Rosenthal, back on the QB Index, wrote an incredible tribute um, to Wes uh, to open up that article. Um, it, it honestly brought a tear to my eye. Um, I think that football is back, but it, it's, uh, it will never really be the same for me. The sport will never be the same because we've lost our friend. But I do think that there is something... Um, about the fact that, you know, before John and Wes would want us to. So here we go. Appreciate that. Yeah, I too that was, was in my head. Um, yeah, thing. I it was in my head that that was like the right the right time and place to to write about him, um, which is tough, obviously. But uh, I, I think of us as like it's like we're we're Internet writers. That was how we started. All all four of us. You know, uh, it's. It feels like it's a little bit on the back burner now, but we're still doing it, and that's definitely how I got to know Wes. You know, on on the Sons of the Tundra blog uh, on, at Road World, and and now here, he uh, no one could put his everything into a like a an internet piece more than Wes, which I, <laughs> I always admired because it's like it's gonna be there, and then it's sort of ephemeral. It's gone in a few days. I mean, it's sitting there, but it's gone, and he would just like pour everything into that, whether it was like. The best third down backs or, or whatever he was writing about. You're right. And though I was moved uh, by your words, and you spoke about Wes with great admiration and love, I did not shed a tear because I am dead inside. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Although not surprised. 
Um, I, like, I like cried at the end of like when they kicked someone off Lego Masters yesterday <laughs> afternoon, and my kids are like, "What is wrong with you?" So I'm in a tough, tough spot right now. So yes, we're um, later tonight, depending when you listen to it. Uh, whatever your time situation is, I'm so, uh, we we're talking about it too much. Whenever you're listening to this, uh, you we do have the Thursday night football recap. Uh, it is the opener, obviously, between the Bucks and the Cowboys. That is a separate mini pod that we're going to release every Thursday. And we're doing that one, yes, at West Manor with Lakeisha. Connie Fox will be there. Even John Gonzalez will be there. Um, so that will be a, a nice gathering. And John Ronald uh, Gonzalez, born March 12, 1977, is an American sports writer who is married to NFL media broadcaster Colleen Wolf. John, who's a Pisces, resides in Los Angeles with his wife and two dogs. That guy. And, um, of course, as we spoke about on Tuesday, we lost uh, Tara Deeker. This week and uh, over the weekend, and that was a crushing blow for the for our group and for the the larger media group. So it's going to be nice to be together uh, tonight. And um, one more plug before we get into the games and the draft, uh, as we do every year, and our locks. Greg looking for the three peat, and don't no, forget Greg, there will be we, no three peat. I don't forget Greg what we discussed uh, a couple months back because you know everybody knows Greg's been trying to kill the locks for years if you do manage to win three in a row we will hold a vote on this podcast uh with majority deciding whether it stays or goes between the three of us so that's something for you to really aspire toward i mean if you win three in a row you're the majority i think i i just would get to decide that's it i get Wait, i my, got the 39 my, in the my, state mandated t- my votes my votes count triple <laughs> if that's the case i mean what kind of what kind of thing is that it's very it's gaudy happening. of you it's very gaudy of you to have the trophy um right over your left shoulder there that we must stare at every time we do a show with you it's very out front it's on someone had to take it i was it was like buried in the corner next to our old um shadowy league figures office and i was like oh there's there's at least a 10 percent chance that this just gets left here so i had to take it home and it might as well it you looked, know what it is it mark beautiful it's a nouveau reach, you know? It's oh, like sure. uh, yeah. if you're not from the old money, uh, you're going to be more flashy about it and letting people know. I mean, people have. forget that I outright won the Locks um, title and then tied with Dan, which was a little bit um, fraudulent on Nailed some it. level. Very fraudulent. But, um, you know, that's the history of the sport, Greg. You're the new team. You're the flashy team of today, but that, that, it won't last. I mean, I won the picks two back to back when we were doing just records, and now this is two in a row. Nobody so that's remembers not that. Nouveau. That's like Nobody that's like pre Super Bowl, you know, Browns. That's all they got is pre Super Bowl. Browns. And by the way, Mark, I don't know why I'm I'm taking sniper fire there. There was nothing fraudulent about my uh, co-title. You collapsed like the Falcons in the Super Bowl in the playoffs that year, and I was able to catch you. That's how you remember it. And I no, I, I I remember it differently, Dan. And it's 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 my personal history that I reflect <laughs> on, not yours. Okay. Anyway, uh, last plug: NFL Network show around the NFL broadcast premieres Friday. Check your local listings. Make sure you pound that DVR button if you can't watch it live. It's a two-hour show, and it's in the format of our. Beloved uh, segment we like to do every year. We couldn't do it this year because Mark was um, unfortunately out ill. But we have the around the AFC, the around the NFC in three minutes. Uh, around, I guess it's around the blank in 48 minutes. Uh, we're going to take that format to NFL Network and cover every team every week uh, in a two-hour edition of the Around the NFL broadcast on Friday. So give it a, give it a watch. Let us know what you think about it. All right. 
Here we go. It is time for week one. Here we go. 32 teams. Two already played Thursday. 30 teams. No teams on the back. 30. Divide by two. 15 games stuck. really the the pregnant pauses that make it you know you you know it's a he's a confident comedian when he can he can live in that silence that's the that's where the tension is i love it well i think he's also genuinely still working out the mathematical yeah. problem I mean, he's done that's it 400 it times but all right so yes let's get into it and if you're new to the show or if you're just a little bit rusty uh we do this draft style so, uh, Ricky, how are we going to determine who has the first pick? All right, you guys. So, you know, we went last year, and I don't remember once whoever got the first pick, then we started to rotate. But I think this year, I'm going to throw out a trivia question. And the first person to answer, you know, gets sort of like Family Feud style. Right. Gets it. And if it's wrong, then we keep moving on. And so whoever gets it first and right is going to get the first overall. NFL someone trivia gets, or like, but people world, get yeah, to world make trivia? a guess if someone was wrong. Correct. Someone else gets the guess. Correct. But what if we, we don't we know just it? yell it out. We just yell it out. Yep. How many okay. questions do you have lined up? Like could this this could this could go, go on for hours. hours. No, but you, All right, you let's see how this goes. This. I made we'll it, it very shot. easy. Okay. okay, here we go. What was the first music video played on MTV? Video killed the radio star by the Buggles. Dan's got the first overall pick. All right, let's find out who picks second. Okay. How about I just say who picks second? I guess. All right, no, let the kids let the kids have another question. Uh, they they might have fun. I know. I'm fine with that. Let's hear it. Who sings the hit song "Girls Just Want to Have Fun"? Cindy Lauper. Mark, I think he got it. Mark's got I it. I did get Mark it, it clearly. Okay, so we go Dan, then we go Mark, then we go Greg, but then Greg, it snakes back snakes. to you. The old snakearoo. I, I am Dan, struggling with knowing what to pick here, so I'm, I'm almost glad not to go first. Dan, I purposely didn't cut a snake slithering sound effect because I love every single time you do it. Okay. <laughs> it's my <Good>. favorite thing. <laughs> I, will, I will deliver that for you. Thank so you. I want to make you happy, Erica. Thank you. Love um, you. Yes. Um, all right. Here we go. And... And the reason it's not just uh, a draft for draft purposes of having fun on this podcast. It also determines um, how we cover the games on Sunday and uh, how we um, break down who's responsible for what game for when we talk about every game uh, with Nick Shook on Sunday night, the flagship program. All right. A lot of housekeeping. And remember, this is this is like the NFL draft when they spend 20 minutes of 
you know, little ceremonies <laughs> and they've got, you know, Machine Gun Kelly comes out and Roger Goodell's talking. They're like, yeah, let's get going that? with the actual draft. Mark, what was up with that Machine Gun Kelly? I Brown thought he did story. an excellent job. I mean, he's, he he was pro-Browns. I thought his message was on point. I don't know but, why you're continually critiquing the guy. Absolutely. My favorite part of the offseason was Mark loving Machine Gun Kelly for about a week, becoming like a hardcore <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly fan. What, what was that? Brothers if only the arms. pop culture uh, question was about the Detroit rapper, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, or Cleveland? Cleveland? He's a Cleveland. The he's point. a Cleveland. The yeah, the whole, oh, yeah. You know, a native son. Oh. All right, here we go. <laughs> I have the first overall pick. That's a great way to start a season. And I will go. I'm not going to overthink this. And I will obviously, even though, yes, it is a draft, there are, you have to have um, some integrity. So even though I love, for instance, absolutely adore that Cleveland at Kansas City late game, I'm not touching that. I got too much respect for Mark. Won't do it. So I leave it. And I will pick the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Orchard Park to face the Buffalo Bills. Great game. And there's a lot cooking here with this game. There's a Buffalo Bills offense uh, that was virtually unstoppable last season, including against top 10 defenses like the Pittsburgh Steelers were a year ago and have been for the past four years. Four years. Josh Allen, 6-0 and last season against top 10 total defenses. Um, nobody was that good last season, not even Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he completed almost 70% of his passes against top defenses last year, 14 TDs, three picks, pass rating of 108, and, yes, undefeated in six games. So you, if you're going to say, well, the Steelers defense, they're going to go into Buffalo and they're going to slow down the Bills, I don't know about that. Um, the only thing you can say uh, and I'll open it up to you boys this way, and we'll get to the Steelers side because there's a lot of interesting things there too. But with the Bills, the only t- thing that I, I step back and wonder about is that greatness uh, of their offense last season. Is that sustainable for another year, or is it only natural to think there could be regression? I know it's very they were very fortunate to keep their offensive coordinator in their building. Brian Dable did not get a head coaching job, so that works in their favor. Uh, but, Greg, there are some advanced analytics out there that tell you that perhaps Josh Allen will come back to the pack just a little bit in 2021. And yet I don't buy it, especially not early this season. I'm, I'm thinking about like continuity versus teams that are trying new things out, especially in week one. And it's, it's funny because you think the Steelers have them, you know, they're just team continuity. They're, they never go crazy in free agency. They've had the same coaches you know, Tomlin forever and ownership and GM and all this stuff. And yet the, the bills have better continuity than almost anyone. Uh, the bucks have got so much heat and love for, they brought all 22 starters back. The, the bills essentially did it too. Like you can call John Brown, a starter there. They've made some upgrades, I think on the defense, but basically everyone's back. I think if you were, you know, teaching a collegiate class and how to rebuild an organization. It's all at the Brandon Bean McDermott rebuild over the last four years. I can't remember anyone doing it better in the history of this show. The roster looks loaded. And yet I think this game will be competitive. They're almost a touchdown favorite here, Buffalo. That that makes sense. Uh, but I just think like the the Steelers offense should be respected. I think they have things. They have receivers. They have tight ends. They have a running back. They have a front seven. I'm more worried about the Steelers' defense in this game not being kind of week one ready. There's no Stefan Tuitt. That's been totally under the radar. He's on, he's on injured reserve, one of their very best players. 
TJ Watt is expected to play. His contract might be updated by the time you listen to this or by the end of the week, but he did return to practice. It's more their defense not being totally ready. The fact they had to trade for Akilla Weatherspoon from Seattle to play meaningful snaps. Their cornerbacks don't look great. That There's not a lot of reason to think if the, if this Steelers defense couldn't shut them down for four quarters last year, and they didn't, if you remember that ugly-ass game in week 14 or 15 uh, on in primetime, uh, they're not going to do it here. So you like the Bills, but I, I think it'll be a close, high-scoring type of game. I mean, that, that was an ugly game, low-scoring. Uh, I, I look at the Steelers, and you know, I I can't think of another team in the AFC where, you know, that we've spent the entire offseason asking the big questions: Is Big Ben still functional? Uh, he looked great in in, a, in against the Lions in the preseason. I mean, he looked fine to me, and, and I do take into some account that maybe his elbow was not a hundred percent last year, according to his own words. The offensive line. I mean, we've been talking about it all offseason. It is a patchwork line. The Bills, last year on defense, I thought they were very well coached by Leslie Frazier. That, that matters that he's back, too, to your point on continuity with Brian Dayball as well. But I look at this, I look at this Bills pass rush and wonder, can Gregory, Gregory Rousseau, the rookie, who's had a nice preseason as well and a good camp, um, be an impact player in this game? Someone they need someone to on the pass mm. rush. They didn't have it last year. And I, I'm with you on the Steelers' defense. I mean, look at their secondary. I don't think that if Josh Allen is going to have some sort of analytical regression that it comes in this game. There is continuity, you know, traditionally franchise-wide from the Steelers, but there is a lot of unanswered questions, and it starts with their offensive line. If that, thing is, if that line does not get up to speed the way that they hope it will, and I think they're well-coached along the line. They did not look that bad in the preseason, but if that is a problem... I think the problems begin right there for Big Ben and everyone else. Najee Harris, though, who is a good receiver out of the backfield as well, is basically their new Le'Veon Bell. Mm. Yes, he is. he's an X-factor here. They love him. He's a first-round pick, and we'll see what happens in year one. A lot of times, rookie running backs burst out of the gates. Um, they don't, they're not as, uh, it's not as necessary to have some type of pro ramp-up period. So he could be a star right out of the gates. And I wonder um, now, this is my big overarching Steelers question, and I think a lot of people have it, is that fade in December when they entered the month, I think 11-0, and then they lost all those games, and then they got embarrassed in that empty stadium by the Browns. Uh, was that the end of the Roethlisberger era? Or was that just a really ugly bump in the road, and there's a prologue here where they, they remain a competent and even um, high-level team? I, I'm kind of leaning towards the latter, and that's why I think this is going to be a uh, a good game, a competitive game. I'm with you guys. I see it like a 31 27. I'll go with the home team, the Bills, on this one. But we'll see. We'll see where the Steelers are, and this will be a good litmus test early. Surprise! Okay. No one's surprised. No one locked this game. This would have just felt like like the logical lock. It was like just. Ooh, I don't want to touch this. Maybe it didn't feel bold enough. I do like by the, you know just quickly that Gregory Rousseau is bringing Gregory back. You know, I'm not a Gregory. Um, mm-hmm. Greg has totally fallen off. The map. I I checked the rankings. There's like four kids uh, under the age of ten in this entire country named Greg. That's not. I, I love that Greg is. But they've checking they've fallen. Out the it like used to be like a name. top 100 name. Now it's like out of the top 10,000. Greg right. has is really been dragged in the gutter. And Rousseau maybe maybe he's bringing it back. All right. I mean, Gregory feels like it would be more of a child's name. You'd start with Gregory and become a Greg. You don't hear a lot of Gregories. You don't hear a lot of Gregories. It also really does. Uh, Greg's a guy that like he does a lot of a lot of stuff like bother him where he he decides a lot of things aren't wor- worth worrying about 
That Greg's up in the middle of the night, perhaps, Googling his own name and wondering... Sure. I, well, Greg, where are you on Gregor, like, for instance, I mean, when Gregor you were naming Mendel. your kids, you didn't just start, like, looking... At, you looked at, like, the ranking that just started being curious, looking up all the uh, the ranking. No, I've always been an anti... Greg just sounds kind of like a jerk. I know I, I know of so many jerks that are Gregs, and that's why... <laughs> That's why uh, it it fallen off. It's fallen off. But where are you on Gregor? Things. To answer my to ask my question, uh, Gregor Mendel, the scientist who created I like that something That's or good. other. That's Gregor's good, interesting. Sorry, he I know created we have like what? fourteen something games or other? to get to. All right, the number two games. overall pick in the ATN Week One draft goes to Mark Sessler. What do you got? Well, of course, I'm going to go Cleveland at Kansas City. This is the rematch uh, from the divisional round playoffs a year ago, a 22 to 17 game where the Browns, you know, if you want to point fingers, could not take advantage of the fact that Chad Henney was in the lineup. They're not going to have that kind of luck this time around. But why I think that there is reason that what Cleveland accomplished last year, um, not unlike Buffalo, uh, they finally do feel like they have uh, a union between coach and front office. There are, you know, after decades of infighting, um, there's consistency. I think, you know, Kevin Stefanski has proven to be a very good game day coach. And for all the nitpicking around Baker Mayfield, and I, I don't think this will ever change for Baker Mayfield, largely because of his personality. I think he is someone that um, people uh, don't really look at how he finished last season, how well he played. He threw one interception, I think it was, from about week nine on. And this is the first time in his career. This is so unlike what happened to Sam Darnold, but Baker Mayfield's career has not been that different to some degree where it has been constant coaching overhaul. And for the first time in his career, he's in the same offensive system you know, two seasons in a row, two off seasons in a row, and it was actually a real off season this time around. I look at this offense, and I don't know why they can't be a team that puts up, you know, 26, 27 points a game, if not more. Um, and the defense, you know, that last year, I think if you look at that game again, Travis Kelsey, there was no answer for Travis Kelsey. He, he absolutely slaughtered Cleveland in that playoff game. It puts rookie Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa into a big spot because he's, I think he's someone that they're going to want to affect Travis Kelsey's game in this thing. You still have Travis, Tyreek Hill. I mean, the Chiefs, to me, you know, if their offensive line, which I think, you know, they've done a wonderful job rebuilding that, if that, like the Steelers, if that, can, if that checks out and, they can, and they're competent along the line, nothing tells you that Kansas City can't mm. be a dominant team once again in the AFC. So I just look at Cleveland. They've added all these players on defense as well. Will it take a little bit of time for them to gel? They have it, you know, when they go into a nickel package, there's up to nine different new starters on defense. So if you're Joe Woods, the coordinator, you know, obviously you've had a full camp this year, this time around, but is this a bad draw for Cleveland early on to deal, to to try Mm. to mesh as a defense and get Kansas City in week one? I would have liked this game to be deeper into the campaign, (laughs) but you got to deal with it. It's a bad draw for NFL fans. I don't like these rematches in week one. Like, that's the last game we saw the Browns play, and now we get in week one. Don't like it. These are two of the best rosters in the league. Don't need it week one. Uh, like, I, I think it's a bad time to play the Chiefs. I'm with you, Mark, because Andy Reid always comes into the season with a whole lot of trickeration. He throws in a lot of new stuff that everyone else starts copying. I always think of that, you know, Kareem Hunt game in Foxborough in week one. Like, they just, they always have something ready and they're ready for week one. Cleveland didn't play their starters at all in the preseason and the chiefs played their starters more than just about any team, possibly more than any team. I think that's a little bit of a disadvantage, not knowing what's going to come. There might be no honey badger though, tested positive for COVID. 
over uh, a week ago. He is vaccinated, but judging by the sound of the coaches, it sounds like he's been struggling with symptoms and uh, might not be back in time for the game. And so I'm just expecting lots of points. That's it's a my great, that that's it. Lots of points. It's a great early test for the Browns. Obviously, you think the Chiefs. Everyone's going to pick the Chiefs, and rightfully so. They're back to back defending AFC champions. They're at home. Uh, we've had the, uh, a summer where we've heard about the rebuilt offensive line, how Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to have uh, a bigger year this year in year two. I do wonder about that offensive line. We'll see. Because with Joe Tooney and Orlando Brown, that might be the best left side of a line you'll mm. find. But the rest of the line is filled with either rookies or um, uh, opt-out rookie of last year who hasn't even played a snap. Um, you had Tardif, who also sat out last year. So... They're not proven on that line yet. We need to see it in action, but it's like a run blocking line. I think they might be. They're taking a little page out of the Browns, and they want to run the ball a little more. We could see a lot of that this week. The reports were positive on that right side of the line during camp. I, 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 it was far from a disaster. No, in fact, he wasn't sacked once uh, in preseason play, Patrick Mahomes. But guess what? This is the season now, and we'll see how it translates against the very good. Brown's defensive line with the superstar in Miles Garrett. All right. With the third overall pick, Greg Rosenthal selects. I'm going to take a game I'm fascinated by, the New England Patriots against the Miami Dolphins. You know, sometimes I try to stay away from the Patriots and pretend I'm not too into this. Even if I wasn't into the Patriots, I think this is one of the games of the week. And I, I am excited to watch it just, just for the football of it all. I think these can both be double-digit win teams. And I, I'm just fascinated to see what they look like. They just they're so different than a year ago. Those are the teams I want to see in week one. Like I have concerns about Mac Jones in the passing game, not because of Mac Jones, but it was a little under the radar. Like Nelson Aguilar didn't do anything, didn't practice a ton in camp, didn't do anything in the preseason. Hunter Henry barely practiced all preseason. John Smith was in and out throughout the preseason. Like these guys have not played any snaps together. I think they're gonna need to run the ball a lot that like they did in week one in this exact same matchup where they kind of broke out this 1940s offense with cam and you you expect the dolphins defense to like have so much going on but they're a mystery i mean they are a turnstile of like players like at this point last year it's like van noy and shaq lawson they brought in bernardrick mckinney this offseason he didn't even make the team like it's a lot of new faces, and they present a lot for the quarterback, uh, Mac Jones, that's going to have to deal with. So I'm just curious how he does it. But it's also a, a new group. Like, we haven't heard much about Jalen Phillips. We'll see how he looks in Miami, especially when the Patriots have the ball. I, I am just fascinated, and I feel like I have no feel of what's going to happen in this game. I mean, I, I look at Miami, and they, you know, for all these Belichick disciples that have been scattered around the league and typically failed for the most part, I mean, Brian Flores feels the most Belichickian of the all. And, and I, I, you're right about the turnover on defense, but I just trust Miami on defense, the way they're coached. I thought Me that too. they created total havoc for quarterbacks last year. And it's been Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick for so long who has you know, taken rookie quarterbacks as, a, as opponents and shredded them. But now he's dealing with the rookie quarterback on his own roster. And that may take a little team time to, to, to develop Mac Jones. And especially for a Patriots offense that even with Tom Brady used the first month of the season, a lot of times as sort of a, you know, as a warm up to what they were going to become on offense. I, I don't know if you're Miami though, you know, it all comes down to Tua. They looked more aggressive. He looked more aggressive in the preseason. I think he was one of the bigger stories of August uh, that we saw new aspects to his game. 
you know, you don't have Stefan Gilmore in here. Can Jill and Waddle make an impact right away? I mean, you are missing Will Fuller as well, which I think is a problem for suspension. Um, I, I don't know if you can run the ball against mm. New England's front. I'm just, I'm not sure you can, not effectively. Um, Miles Gaskin is probably, he's, he, he's their lead guy, but that it's going to be a game where two is going to have to make some throws right away. And that's what we've been waiting to see. I, I had to this, take this game from Dan. I mean, I, I, you know, if I let this sit around too long, he likes the AFC East too much. I couldn't, I couldn't let it sit there. No, I, for the same reason, I couldn't take Cleveland KC, at least in week one. And just got to respect the game. Um, see, this is the perfect example of this game because there's been a lot of breathless hype about Mac Jones and what he did in the preseason and what the beat writers are watching in practice. And that's all good. And that could, that could inform you as a fan. It obviously informs the team when they make decisions about roster building. Same thing with Tua after last season and the struggles he had as a rookie um, uh, from, from time to time. And they obviously sat him down several times and let Ryan Fitzpatrick play. So they were trying to ease him into the mix. And then this summer, you're hearing a lot of positivity about him and how he looks so much better and maybe looks healthier and all that. Good. Great stuff to talk about in August uh, in early September. But now, now's here where I decide personally whether these guys are actually the dudes, whether they got the goods. Tua's got a lot of pressure on him because it's a story. Uh, what's going on with him, not just with the Deshaun Watson madness and the reports out there, but just in general, uh, if he gets off to a slow start, he's going to be in a situation where he could press because he'll know at that point uh, that he's getting into a tough situation. And Mac Jones, we're going to see, is he going to be uh, one of those rookies that hits the ground running or does he struggle out of the gate against first team defenses for four quarters and all that comes with that. So it's really exciting mm. to watch both of these quarterbacks at different stages of their career, uh, even though they're both young and both Alabama guys. Only only one has a line, though. I mean, at least on paper, the Miami line, they're going to be without Austin Jackson. But that might be a good thing. Austin Jackson's not played well for them. Maybe they're going to try out this rookie Eichenberg. Uh, but I, I think Mac Jones is in a, a better position to, to excel. So, I, yeah, give a little edge to the home team here. All right. I legitimately have not decided. I was. Are you ready? Was, keep going. Keep killing going. Me. That was keep the going. snake talking. No, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. <laughs> it's killing me trying to figure out, like, what's the first game of the Sunday season I want to watch? I don't know. Like, I'm looking Ooh. at the broadcasters, 10 a.m. I got to go with my heart here, and it's it's a weird one. It's going to be Cardinals-Titans. Reach! I just, wow. I just, I don't care. I, this is what I want to watch, reach. so there is no reach. When you're seeing the games that you want to watch, that's Well, that's of course, if you're, if you're coming out of your war room and saying, I'm selecting this, you're not going to say yeah. to yourself, Heed this the call. is a reach. Heed but the, the call. It's, telling the, it's calling me to see Julio <laughs> Jones I, in that. a... T- in that's a, not what Wes meant. No. In, in, a, in a Titans <laughs> uniform. I want to see it. I want to see Julio Jones go like... Seven for one sixty-five, and everyone's just like, "Oh my god!" I want to see what the heck is going on with like JJ Watt is on this Cardinals team, and they're talking up AJ Green, and I'm not like convinced it's any of it's gonna be good. I I am fascinated by these two teams just because I don't know exactly what I'm gonna get, but you know what? I got a suspicion. Is he? Could he? I got a suspicion. That Woody? this Titans team is going to be a little bit better than people think. I think Elijah Molden's going to help out at slot corner. I like their young cornerbacks, what? and I think they come out playing Are pretty you? well, throwing the ball all over the yard against this you know, beleaguered Cardinals defense. Let's lock really? up the Tennessee He's Titans in week one. Wow. It's okay. the first lock, baby. Craig, I like it. I, I think you've got something here because you look at the Cardinals cornerback situation, it is a mess. 
It is a huge mess on paper. I mean, Malcolm Butler retires. You've got Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson, Robert Alford, who's not played since 2018. That's like when I played football. Uh, Tay Gowan. No, it's not. It was actually about 25 to 30 years earlier. I will right. let you know, actually, Plus, that like, someone you were today, on the bench too. Like the last couple of years, you didn't really get much playing time. I right? was not so on the. Was, in uh, fact, before the show today, a friend that I played Pop Warner with sent me um, camp a VCR recorded uh, tape of a game that we were in, and I viewed well, myself. What was as in a, the water in Connecticut player. that you guys just like save all of your materials and like just rewatch it all the time? It's just was. Well, that Greg, like- I had a childhood. We understand that you <laughs> Mark, hit Earth you at age like thirty six. A- VCR player to like play it back. No, no, no. He sent it. He sent it to me. A video from a VCR copy that he had. Somehow he transferred it. I did. I did not mention the last Cardinals cornerback though. A human named Luke Barku. Back in eighteen (laughs) eighty four. It's like Mark's. Like I've got this Barku note. Let me get to it. I'm saying I'm with Luke. Who? Luke L U K is his first name, which I kind of think is cool. But Luke Barku. I'm um, an undrafted free agent. Anyways, I'm with you. I think that, you know, there's no Arthur Smith, and I want to see what happens with Todd Downing running this offense. Mm. It's the same offense, he says. I mean, in general, he's been there. He should be able to run that. But Arthur Smith got hired because of his in-game play calls, and he revived Ryan Tannehill's career, you know, from from scratch, essentially. So what is the effect with him out of the building? You know, Evan Silva said, never fade the big dog. That's what he said for years and years and years. This year, Evan Silva, the the fantasy guru, said he's finally worried about Derrick Henry. That's worth tracking, Uh, not just because Evan said it, but after, I believe, something close to 800 touches over the last two years, um, that certainly warrants watching. The the obviously coaching scheme change, or at least the coach change, Um, Ryan Tannehill, Will he continue to thrive as he has the last couple of years? There are questions there. Julio Jones, great on paper, the acquisition. Is he They're only three-point favorites. They, they opened as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It's, and it's and then it's, I think, in Cardinals fans, like our buddy Jay Zumwalt, will certainly attest there's a lot of doubt around that team and that leadership with Cliff Kingsbury. Can he be better? Is he the guy to take Kyler Murray to the next level? Because, if I, as I said over the summer, I think Kyler Murray this year could be lined up to be a 4,000-yard uh, passing 1,000-yard rushing type guy that's never been done before. But he's going to need Kingsbury to be better and be more aggressive and put together an offense that keeps defenses on their heels. That's why he was brought in here, to be this game-changer, a McVeigh type. Uh, and he hasn't been, quite frankly. So this is a big year for him. This is a, It's a good game, Greg. Um, a little early in the draft, but at the same time, uh, you love it, and now you have it. So good for you. <laughs> thank you thank you i mean uh i was Except gonna like praise i was gonna lock up the bills and then it was like that that felt like you know for the good of the show this would be more exciting so i'm just all about what I, makes the show better you yeah know? good for you greg and i and I, there is a team we haven't gotten to the game and it might not be till very late in the show but another team that i thought about locking against and i was like no not week one dan you need to get this thing off on the right foot all right mark it heads back to you I mean, you have to know that one of the reasons that we pick some of the games that we do is because we are covering them and you've got to kind of space it out through the day. I, am, I, I don't think in my life I have ever intentionally picked a Lions game. Um, I, it's, you know, for obvious reasons, I've avoided that franchise um, from a work standpoint whenever I can. But I am very intrigued by seeing the Niners um, in week one. I, I hate the draw for Detroit. I think whoever needed to be the guinea pig 
to deal with uh, whatever Kyle Shanahan has cooked up on offense. You know, and Trey Lance, the finger thing, I TBD on how much he'll play, if he'll play, how much we'll see him, how he'll be used. Um, but if he's healthy, I you know, I was in the hospital on a very um, severe, like Dilaudid drip, which if anyone has not taken Dilaudid, most people I would assume have not, um, it puts you into a completely different part of the universe. And that is when I watched um, the Jimmy G, Trey Lance, double quarterback action that Kyle Shanahan unfurled on an August afternoon. Um, and it just blew my mind. I, I, I absolutely thought it was one of the most joyful things I had seen in so long. Coaches stay away from using two quarterbacks at once. I think Kyle Shanahan is in a dream scenario. He's got to be loving this. And they really didn't even use Trey Lance on the ground. That's a huge aspect to his game, obviously. He is an incredibly fascinating runner. And you just wonder, you know, how this thing will play out. Because if he's that daring and uses both of these guys, I think you look at the Lions and you look at their inexperienced and very young secondary, and you can throw the ball too. But this is going to be a run-heavy Niners team. They always have been. Trey Sermon is going to be a fascinating addition to the team. I, Greg and I have both picked the Niners as our Super Bowl NFC teams winners. Yeah, that annoys me. That ha- you know, two thirds of the podcast we were not nearly as a, we were not nearly as original as we thought. Hey, but we're Greg, like the basic bros who are trying to be cool. Meanwhile, like the Bucks got fewer votes than the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. They this did not. Stupid, they did. They did. They did. I got. I think they did. I want to get inside football a second on the podcast here and say to you, Mark, just like with Greg, draft the game you want to watch, but you got to look at the board here. I mean, you got to look at the board and you got to know Greg doesn't pick for four picks and you got two picks from me and then you're back. I feel like you could have gotten a more high impact game yeah. and then come back and got this I didn't right before lose Greg. It. I didn't want to lose it. I don't trust. I don't trust um, what you're going to do take, next. I was not going to watch a Lion game uh, by choice on Sunday. But well, you also know that I one thing I'm looking for are games that are like severe blowouts. I really uh, enjoy true. that um, from a coverage <laughs> angle. So I was not going to let this slip through my fingers. Not at all. Because I do Decker have might not play in this game, by the way. They're, they're left tackle. So after all this nonsense that you move Panay Sewell, who looked terrible in the preseason, to right tackle, are they going to move him to left tackle if Decker doesn't play? that That's a problem. Like when I first saw this line, it's seven and a half points. And I'm thinking, you know, the, I know... I know the 49ers are good. I'm picking them to you know, win the Super Bowl. Man, that's a lot of points for a team that won six games last year against a team that won five games. But uh, the the longer you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah. They probably well, also last year, their quarterback starting running back and two wide receivers in San Francisco, I think they played sure. like two games together. Last year was more like, I'm, I look at last year and say, I'm more impressed that Kyle Shanahan essentially swept the Rams and won some of those games with nobody on the field. Uh, this is a two years ago healthy. They were a Super Bowl team. They are a Super Bowl caliber team. I'm buying into this uh, TJ Hawkinson joining the uh, elite tight end club after this season just because I think he's going to get like Darren Waller level targets in this offense. And um, I think if you've followed his career closely, I think he's a former number 10 overall pick. Uh, he's been kind of edging upward. And I think with Goff, who is obviously nobody's version of a superstar uh, at this phase of his career, but I think he is capable of getting the ball in Hawkinson's hands. That'll be something to watch over the season. I just uh, don't know um, how they keep up with San Francisco uh, once they get rolling. I don't know if that defense can make the stops. One, uh, um, one other thought here. Boy, well, pick this game, Mark. Do you think it's uh, going to be even close, or do you think this is a blowout? I would go um, San Francisco 35, Detroit 16. Yeah. Dan Campbell's he's trying his best. Uh, home game. 
You want to get this error off to the right start? You don't want to get blown up, blown out. But. In theory, their offensive line and their defensive lines look pretty good. Their offensive line on paper looked like maybe that's a top five group, but now suddenly your top ten pick doesn't look very good, and your left tackle, who uh, you decided not to move for your top ten pick, is hurt. So that's like uh, now their like, one strength doesn't look too strong, at least this Isn't week. it like the most Bengals thing that like Jamar Chase had the worst summer camp of any top ten rookie wide receiver ever, and then the other guy they were supposed to take is also uh, doomed in the summer? It's like... Sometimes you well, yeah, Lions fans will point out there. Sewell not looking too good is a very Lions thing, too. Much right. like their number three overall draft pick, Jeff Okuda, getting absolutely like torched right. in week one on the way to a brutal rookie season oh, by, a year ago. <laughs> oh, by the way, because the, the Lions certainly could use a premier wide receiver, Jamar Chase, you know, maybe he ends up in Detroit and they switch uh, spots and they're struggling in these other cities. It just, you know, sometimes you wonder about Well, the, the Lions are trying to build a team where they're maintaining a lead and they want to run the ball all day long. Look at their group of wide receivers. They're going to be in a lot of games where they're down by 10, 14 points, and they have no way out of that situation. I don't like the setup for Jared Goff at all. All right. Um, let's move on here. Let's see. Hmm. Hamana, hamana, hamana. Hamana, hamana. Don't, yeah, if anybody who thinks that this is all fake and we're not actually trying to figure things out in real time, I am. Because you, you need to be careful here. with who Greg oh, I have picks, a snake here. You know. Okay. I have a snake. So here we go. I will start with a game that I said that I was excited to watch, and I am. The Los Angeles Chargers. Mm, that, that's the best. At time. the Washington football team. Uh, a nice battle here between um, a Chargers team that everyone is very excited about on offense. Although, you know, this Austin Eckler thing, I mean, I, don't, I hope I didn't jinx them. But, you know, you get out of summer, all your stars are intact. Here we go. And now Eckler's down with an injury. Uh, what, what's our status hey, Tom there? Tom Pelissero on NFL Now just this day uh, said, don't worry about it. He's playing. They're it sounds like he's going he's he's to be fine. Okay, good. Playing, so what is it, a hamstring? Yep. Okay. Hamstring. So we got Eckler there. Uh, hopefully in the lineup, it's a locked and loaded um, team. And yeah, Greg, you, uh, Mark, you mentioned it and we spoke about it, although I could not shed a tear over it um, when you were writing about Wes at the top of your QB index. You spoke about um, Justin Herbert and uh, how much Wes loved him. So as a little nod to Wes for myself, I want to watch him on Sunday um, try to beat a Washington defense that is very, very good, especially up front. And the Chargers offensive line, okay, we'll see if they um, are better this year. Let's see if they can handle the great tandem. You know who they are. Montez Sweat, Chase Young, better known as Young and Sweaty. (laughs) I thought we had a sound drop for a second. I was getting excited. I'm unsure why that's not totally taking off into the skies on a national basis. It's it's now going to start taking off as the season, and they need to play their role. Uh, Sweat said he believes they could set the all-time tandem sack record. As they start to build that sack total, hopefully, young and sweaty, it's going to be on T-shirts, mm. and I, I will not be cut out of the profits. I don't care. I know there's those companies out there that they, I think they their whole hook is when something happens in the sports world, they make a T-shirt really quick and make some money off it. If I see young and sweaty anywhere, that IP right now, September 9th, I'm telling you that is the old Zeusers IP. That's Tugboat's IP. The new Wait. old Blue Eyes' IP. Why, why are you waiting around for some other jabroni to start Dan creating the t-shirts? Shout out. 
Yeah, Paul Rudd. What was that, Mark? Why are you waiting around for some other clown to start creating T-shirts? You oh, should man, start creating them right now. T-shirts are annoying. Wait, We've been talking about making T-shirts for this podcast for ten years. Do you have to file like three different um, <laughs> IPs or whatever I, uh, I, under I, different no- yes. names? Like you got to do one under tugboat, one under the new old blue eyes. Yeah, I have to pay seven times the amount of paperwork <laughs> fees as the normal human being. Um, anyway, I do wonder, by the way, do you think if you were to look it up, is there is there a young and sweaty dot com? I'm not sure where that would take us if it existed. It might right, not I'm, be. Work I'm trying to friendly. class up young and sweaty because I know it's been it's been in the in the in the gutter for perhaps decades. But now it's going to be more of a wholesome gridiron type scenario. Sure. You know, anyway, back uh, back to. <laughs> The task at hand here. Good Greg the wa- Washington football team with that great defense against this great Chargers offense, this healthy offense. And then you got the Joey Bosa angle and what he can do against Ryan Fitzpatrick and your boy uh, McLaren, um, Greg. And you got Derwin James back. It's just a great matchup with yeah. a, lot, a lot of star players on both sides. It's going to be fun to watch. I'm already regretting my Titans Cardinals pick just thinking about this game. I think it's more that I'm like emotionally invested in the Chargers and I. Sometimes I don't want that uh, early on. I picked against them in this game. I think it was the toughest game to pick. Just total coin flip to me. Curtis Samuel, it looks like he's going to miss this game. And when you mentioned the Chargers rebuild O-line, that's where the, the bad memories start coming in. Because I can't tell you how many different seasons Philip Rivers went into with this Chargers team. And it really, it really, I know it doesn't have anything to do with the, the 2021 team. It's, I know it doesn't. But somehow... It affects me that like there were so many times you thought they were going to solve things and it looked great on paper and they just didn't solve it and they gave him no support and Herbert's like my new Philip Rivers. I, I he's he's my favorite young quarterback in the league absolutely and I am worried especially in this matchup that just it's it will look a little more like last year than than you're comfortable with that they're going to have some bumps they didn't play at all in the preseason that's something i'm kind of watching whether that has any impact at all cuz the the washington football team did play quite uh, a bit in terms hmm. of uh, their starters in the preseason i mean you look at you look at herbert though and he had that magnificent rookie campaign and thrived um, behind what was arguably the worst line in the league last year True. i mean he's he still looked fantastic and he was blitzed nonstop uh, I do think, if anything, you look at Los Angeles, they put resources into the line. They tried. At some point, it, looks you, it's good gonna, it, it has to work at some point. I, I, I'm with you on that. I think that, you know, we've talked about Joe Lombardi, new offensive coordinator. You don't like a lot of change for Justin Herbert, but I think wonder if he's getting a little too nitpicked because it sounds like from everything that he and Brandon Staley have said is, we are doing everything we can to build an offense that is from multiple systems. Um, and there's a lot of Shanahan elements in there that will be that will put Justin Herbert into a place to succeed. You still have Keenan Allen, who's a huge part of this game. I, if they did not have Austin Eckler, I would be very down on their chances in, against this defense. But I think you're going to get Austin Eckler um, in the passing game as well, used nonstop. I mean, they had to win games without him last year a couple times as well. But how do you offset this pass rush? The young and sweaty duo is a huge concern. But I'll tell you one thing about the Chargers too. It's Uh-oh, along, along it? with no, no, along with oh. the line. I'm not locking this up. I mean, I, this you game are is a Brandon Staley guy. I'm kind of with Staley. you on that. Every the more he talks, the more smart things come out of his mouth, and you think like, okay, this guy's got to figure it out. Right, because I think the other thing that have dogged the Chargers for as long as we've done this podcast are bizarre end of game scenarios. Half of them, you know, missed field goals and all that business, but a lot of poor clock management and other business. I think Brandon Staley brings a completely different vibe to this team and a lot of that malarkey is going to vanish 
Okay. It's time to play the games. See if this Brandon Staley could play the guitar. That's what the games are for. <laughs> this one's going to hurt, Greg. So I, th I think you thought it might sneak to you. Like, I went to Tulane. What a time it was. I learned so much about different cultures and made a great friend that became a famous person, and now we have our podcast together. Yeah, the Jessel, Nick, and Rosenthal Vanity Project. Check it out. I love New Orleans. <laughs> well, guess what? I love their game they're playing this week. The Packers. The Saints. A late game. The old Zeuser is going to cover this one, and I'll tell you what. Gotta love it. Now, stinks that it's not at the Superdome. Let's just start there. This will be played at TIAA Stadium. Can we just... These corporate stadium names. What a mess. But that's where the Jacksonville Jaguars play football. Uh, and that's where the Saints will play football. And initially, after Hurricane Ida's destruction, we thought, man, are they not going to get in there until the end of October? Now there's the thought that it could happen early October. I believe a game against the Giants uh, in the first week of October. Let's hope that happens and hope everybody in New Orleans is doing okay and getting um, in a better position after that terrible storm. Uh, for the Saints, it's just a terrible situation because the Packers, it's Packers week. And this is a, a big, big uh, start to your season against a, a rival in the NFC. And you got to figure out a way to stop Aaron Rodgers coming off an MVP season. And you're not going to have that crowd behind you and maybe and we'll see what the pack what is that crowd going to be like is it going to be a packers crowd is it going to be a saints crowd like i i could see it being close to 50 50 mm. with two very um hardcore fan bases but you never know those packers fans are maniacs um and then you have the Jameis winston side of things uh this is his chance now and he's in good physical condition he got the eyes fixed he's had an entire off season uh with sean payton and his playbook he easily outplayed uh, your boy Mark Taysom Hill uh, to be the starter here. He's going to get the opportunity, and hopefully Taysom Hill only has a minor role and Peyton doesn't get too cute, although I should give Sean Peyton the benefit of the doubt if he wants to run his offense a certain way. Probably better than my theories on how they should run their offense. Um, so I'm excited to see how this offense looks with Drew Brees gone and an amazing Packers offense and a defense that could be better than it was last year, and I want to see where... Uh, mm. Zadarius Smith, uh, how he comes back from a relatively down season. This is such a fascinating game. I I don't have a good feel for this. Like the Packers kind of playing into what I was saying with continuity. I like teams with continuity who know who they are going in week one. They're the uh, a picture of it in terms of Aaron Rodgers in that system, that he can make up for whatever the offensive line problems are. The, the Saints, especially defensively, but also at receiver, like they've had so much turnover that even though the coaching staff is the same, they are trying out a lot of new parts. And yet I do feel like Sean Payton's the perfect coach for this. I do think there's something to having something to play for beyond just yourself. And if you listen to the saints players in Dallas, the last two weeks, it, it's on their mind. It's affecting all their families. You know, power is just coming back to parts of new Orleans, even now. And, and everyone's impacted by it. And I, you know, I I think that that's a I don't know I think it's a factor I I I believe that they'll be playing for something greater than themselves and and that matters to me a little bit and I I listened to the the Saints Twitter podcast with Adam and Ryan I, I was on it check that out this week and 
they they had a really good like in depth look at things they wanted to see out of the preseason, and they got him. Caesar Ruiz, their number one draft pick from a year ago, who was a bust as a rookie at least, he struggled. Looked really good in the preseason. That offensive line might be the best in the entire NFL. Zach Bond, kind of a bust uh, as a second round pick, didn't look ready for the NFL. One of the weakest spots there at weak side linebacker. Looked great in the preseason. We might have some Bond time. I forgot, you know, we might have a little Zach Bonassance. It never even played well in the first place to have a renaissance. And then they trade for Bradley Roby this week. I love that Bradley Roby trade. Bradley Roby is a good number two cornerback, and they had nothing at cornerback. The problem is Bradley Roby suspended for week one. And so you're still matching up like Ken Crowley and this rookie Paulson Adebo against these Packers guys, and the matchups don't quite favor you in the end. Like, it's, I don't know, my heart's with the Saints, but your head, it's hard not to think the Packers just have the mismatches here. I mean, you don't, you don't have to, you know, guess if what's happened in New Orleans could be something that galvanizes this team, because under Sean Payton, when they went through Katrina, that's exactly what it did. I mean, it, 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 it's one of the biggest stories in Saints history. I think if you're Sean Payton... Although, as you, Saints fans will point out, like, they went 3-13 and 13 after Katrina with Jim Hazza. I He never got the credit he deserved for keeping that team afloat. But you know what? They won week one. <laughs> it was one of the great Saints wins in history. Right. They won Mark, on the road in week one against Carolina. You Sorry you like to cut you Saints. off. I'm just well, pointing no, we'll out... See, though, I'm but pointing that also, out that, that season where they were actually kind of on the road was, was tough. They needed Drew immediately too. afterwards. I do wonder how, how the emotion translates in Jacksonville, of all places. We'll see about that. But I think Duval. if you're Sean Payton... You basically, you love the challenge because it's been the same quarterback for so long. You've got to do something different now. Uh, I think he's the right coach for this, but we still don't know what Jameis Winston's going to be. I think Sean Payton is going to have to coach unlike he's ever coached before and be as creative as possible. But I don't understand why people are still picking the Saints as a playoff team and talking about that as like... I, I just, it. I just, I just don't buy that at this point. There's a little bit too much transition. I am locking up the Packers with ultra confidence. I hate the victims of Hurricane. Ice. I do not. I, I <laughs> wish the victims of the hurricane nothing but good things. And I am also. <laughs> and I am also going to. Uh, oh wow! I'm the bad guy, Razor Ramon. I will lock up the Packers, too. And it has nothing to do with the great people of New Orleans and everything to do with the game of football and the fact that they are uh, strangers in a strange land, a team, the Saints, in transition right now, trying to figure things out. And I am not buying into the Jameis Winston renaissance because he has LASIK now. Can we calm down with all this stuff? Can't uh, hurt. Get back to me in a you month. You can't hurt. Uh, we'll see. With that James Winston, matters. <laughs> the impossible is possible. Like you, wait, he should be better now. How is he almost worse? That that's in play too. So I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be on that Saints podcast. Although I like the people that do it, uh, because I don't believe in the Saints as much right now. Even though I do like the head coach and think he can coach them up in time. I think the timing mm. of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers week one outside of your building in a quote unquote home game is too much. And that's why Green Bay is going to roll. I have to ask you one quick question. Let's say that you were like uh, back in castle times. You were like an archery person, right? Mm -hmm. And you needed to defend your castle and you couldn't see. And then suddenly you had 20-20 crystal clear vision. Would you not be better at your job? Why are we dismissing LASIK surgery for an NFL quarterback as non-meaningful? Hear hear me from this perspective. I mean, what does it say about the person? And you got to factor in all sorts of things with a quarterback, whether he's a success including what's going on from the shoulders up. What does it say about a man if he waited until he's like 28 and busted out of his first round pick 
uh, run with his first team before he decided to get the surgery. Now you're asking the right question. That from that angle, I completely buy. I'm that. just saying the whole Jameis Winston experience. Mark is on my radar because he never wears glasses and has terrible vision. Like I, right. I've never quite understood that. We're at the office. He's like. He's not putting his glasses on. He's he's squinting. <laughs> Man, I I wrestled with this pick more than any other. I picked the Saints like to cover four but lose the game. And now that you jokers are uh, <laughs> locking up the Packers, I feel like just switching my pick on NFL.com just so I can fully like be aligned in rooting against you clowns. Okay, well, that's great. We got we to gotta pick up the pace here. Uh, Mark, uh, go ahead. All right, I'm going to go um, Philadelphia at Atlanta, a one o'clock start on the East Coast. Dang. I just I want to see that was what. My pick. Well, that's how this works. I take what you want away from you. <laughs> I want to see the Arthur Smith, uh, you know, introduction here, the debut. I, I really like Arthur Smith. I think it's, uh, you know, he may not come across personality wise the way that you you'd think of some head coaches, but you look at what he did in Tennessee, and I, I just wonder the effect that he will have. Maybe not in this game, but overall on Matt Ryan and in the, in the tail end of Matt Ryan's career and what they do there. Um, I don't, I, I think that both of these teams to me vibe as total question marks, but I think it's an, it's um, it, it's, you look back at what Jalen hurts in four starts last year had 354 yards rushing and three touchdowns. I mean, this is someone who can impact the game on the ground. And I, I know that the Eagles were whispered about as a team that, you know, an interest in Deshaun Watson. They maybe were going to go somewhere else in the draft. They're lined up to do something else in the draft next offseason. If they don't love Hurts, they trade for Gardner Minshew, which that happened when I was in the hospital, which was the second strangest thing. I don't know why they went and did that. Um, I mean, I like the player, but the whole thing seems strange to me. I think Hurts is very much um, on a season-long audition, so every game matters a ton, and I kind of can't wait to see how this mm. plays out in week one. I think the Eagles, because last year was such a huge disaster, uh, because the front office looked bad, the coach got fired, the quarterback got traded. That you look at, you, we're maybe overlooking a little bit at some of the parts on this offense. If you don't have to squint too hard to see an offense that could be, I think, run heavy and functional and a little more exciting than people are giving them credit to under Nick Sirianni. We will see. I like it when Mark goes, I like the player. Like he goes all Bill Parcells. Mm. He won't even say Minch. I have a lot of Parcells oh, I, I like, in me. You I, know, like the, I like the player. That's how it is. A lot of Bill Parcells and Gardner Minshew is just a a piece of meat to me. This this Eagles team does have the bones of a good team. They've got a good offensive line. You know, you've you've got Lane Johnson, you've got Mylotta, you've got Kelsey, you've got the guards, and they've got a good defensive line. You you still got um, Cox, you still got Barnett, you have Javon Hardgrave who looked like he had a good camp. You have Brandon Graham. Uh, They like this rookie Milton Williams. I don't know. You got a good offensive line and a good defensive line. That's a team that can surprise. I am very intrigued to watch this game, too, because I, I, I want to see Kyle Pitts. I want to see what this Falcons team is and this Eagles team. They're both kind of mysteries to me, but I, I think the Eagles do have the bones of a, a surprising team, and this is, this is a perfect first test, I think, for both these teams. And first-year coach Nick Sirianni, and let's face it, the brain trust in Philadelphia, which is uh, meddlesome would be one way to put it, uh, are they all going to be on the same page here with Jalen Hurts and give him actual runway here to develop? He's only had four starts in the NFL. Or with Gardner Minshew in the building, with Joe Flacco still in the building, is there a treachery afoot for the former second-round pick <laughs> Jalen Hurts? I think treachery. that's a sub. I know people on Twitter, the Eagles fans that try to assassinate me, uh, don't want to hear this stuff, but just keep an eye on the situation. Is that organization functional enough right now and locked into the same mindset 
to let a young quarterback develop that isn't a premium draft pick? Uh, we shall see. Greg, close out the draft portion of the preview. Okay, I I was gonna take Texans Jags. Yeah, because like I like having a bad second game, and then I thought that we, we got to think about the good of the show again. We should have someone watching this Seahawks Colts game. That is what I'll take um, because I think it matters. I think it's two teams that were in the playoffs a year ago, and we want to see how they look right now. We want to see this if, is a value pick. It's a good pick. Yeah, right? just it like is. I, I someone should should have their eyes on this game. I guess it could have been Nick Shook, and I could have taken Texans Jags, but that that's silly. I'm not writing anymore on Sunday nights. I should think that way now. You don't have to worry about that. That's good. Uh, I I just think this. I'm all over the place, but I think a lot the of mental Seahawks, processing going on with Greg here. Yeah, sorry. I think the he's Seahawks just he's excited. It's cute. could wipe the floor with them, right? I I just don't like their pass. I love the Seahawks pass rush, and I don't love the Colts pass protection, and I don't love Carson Wentz hobbling on his foot. Can't so you I see guess that? I got to see it. Can't you see the a big story on TA? And by the way, total access. Come back to me. You know, the old man, Keith Hansis, he calls me yesterday. I call him, actually. I catch up with the parents. And uh, my dad, I'm, I'm, I got a lot of TV and stuff going on on Tuesdays with Power Rankings. He says, oh, by the way, I was watching that one show, Total Access. They're burying your Power Rankings. Ooh. Willie McGinnis, Sean O'Hara, <laughs> MJ Acosta. I don't think MJ was getting shots in because MJ's a pro. I love her. But Willie taking shots at Zeuser, and that's fine. You don't do the power rankings unless you're able to take some fire. That's what the whole thing's about. So I never take an issue with someone saying my rankings are wrong. But you got to have the old Zeuser there. Right. They did not give you total you, access you to have, your own You, you got to put a camera in front of me. You got to hook me up with a mic so I could defend myself. Where was I? <laughs> this I is, this is Stan's version of moving the I, show along. I, I want to hear exactly <laughs> what Keith Hans has said to you about this in his voice. Oh, okay. I, but, hey, Danny, uh, you know, it's good that your name was on the show and everything. They had your name on the screen, and that was good. But, uh, you know, who's that big guy, the the, the, uh, the defensive player from New England? Oh, Willie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was saying some things. It wasn't so nice. Anyway. Ricky, you, gotta, you have to cut this off for social and create an in-house civil war, please. <laughs> um what I was or just say send is, it to like Willie's McGinnis's you know no, private cell phone. You know, I will to, address this if they have me on total access and they actually let me defend myself uh, on the power rankings. I will share with Willie that I was displeased, as was Keith, uh, by the treatment. He's going to be shaken by your uh, your reaction to this, no doubt. I'm sure it's going <laughs> to keep him up at night. My point is on uh, Monday's edition of NFL Total Access, there is going to be a portion of that telecast dedicated to. Is it time to worry about the Colts? Because I think if you have to pick one team that is going to come out of the gate slow, especially on offense, it's going to be the Colts. And it doesn't mean they're doomed. Uh, but with Carson Wentz's lack of reps and practice time and the fact that he's on a bad foot still or a foot that's healing, and the same thing with Quentin Nelson, the other most important player on the offense, and T.Y. Hilton's out. And there's just it takes a while for a team to gel typically with new parts and a new quarterback in place. It just seems like they're in a very tough spot here. Well, also Quentin Nelson's dealing with a, a bit of a back issue as well, so you don't like the health of the line. And for whether you're a Wentz defender, as you are, Dan, to some degree, or mm -hmm. one who thinks that you know last year was a was a, a an honest look at who he had become in that offense, I think from the neck up, I was very very concerned about Wentz, the player and the person. He just seemed completely detached from what was going on around him, making 
incredible mistakes, forcing throws. He's barely plays, you know, he's practicing, but we're, it, this is not the way the offseason wanted to go for him at all. Who is this player? And he, he's, he's not in the, in the best. Everyone's talked about Wentz being in the best possible situation in Indianapolis because mm. of the coach, because of the line. It's not the case in week one. Um, the one player I'm interested to see, though, is Quiddy Pay, their pass rusher, because he has been, every report about him is that he's been freaky. Uh, I think he could be an impact player. That, to me, is someone to keep an eye on. Who is the kitty pass rusher, by the way? Remember the big kitty pass rusher? Is that a Wessism? Was it for a collision low crossers? That was collision low crossers. It was a Mike Pettin. um, I don't know if it was. It it was more of a type of player they were looking for. That's what I thought of when you said Quiddy there. That's Um, the both route to win is a a nice little low scoring game, conservative, a lot of running. It's just like ugly. I was shocked how high a number this game has between Colts and Seattle because it feels like it's going to be a very defensive. What's the number? It's high. I think it's like over 50 or something crazy. Hmm. Even right. 45. Doesn't matter. Let's hit the um, primetime games. Uh, let's start with Sunday Night Football. Chicago Bears at Los Angeles Rams at Hollywood Park, our future office, in a couple of weeks, unfortunately. Sorry, Mark. Um, the story here, of course, is Matthew Stafford's debut with the Rams and Sean McVay's. He gets an, a chance to really... Um, the second part of his career, a rebirth here in a functional offense with great skill players. And then on the Chicago side of the ball, you know, listen, everybody's a little bit disappointed. But, Mark, how about this idea that, you know, they have a home game next week, the Bears, against the Bengals, I believe, and that's that's not too that's not too rough. But is anyone else in the NFL, can they claim the to be in the position Andy Dalton is where the fan base is actually rooting against you? Like, Bears <laughs> fans cannot wait to get Andy Dalton out of the picture and Justin Fields onto the field, which I get it from a big picture sense. But it also feels like it that has to be maybe a little bit uh, tough mentally to, to know nobody wants you on the field, uh, at least the home fans. Uh, well, tough I, way I to think, start your Bears career. Right. I mean, I, I think he dealt with that in Cincinnati to a degree, too, where you know they, they tired of him towards maybe not the at end. this degree, though. Because not to this who, degree. Who are you going to put in, Ryan Finley or whatever? No, and it's it's not Andy Dalton's fault. But I simply, you know, and we've, I don't want to beat this dead horse, but I, I just, I don't understand the strategy with Matt Nagy. I mean, they've got line issues. So I guess from one angle, you're looking, look, at we want to protect Justin Fields for a bit here versus throwing him into the fire. Nagy was in Kansas City the year that they sat Patrick Mahomes up until that week 17 game when we realized maybe they should have just been playing him the whole time. My concern for the Bears organization in general is like, if Fields, and I mean, by all accounts, he was not perfect in the preseason, but Fields is the more electric um, player that offers you much more than Andy Dalton ever will. Why wait? What is the wait? Why put him in in week four, or week five? I, I just think that quarterbacks in 2021 are not players coming out of college systems that need to sit and wait for four years to play like Joe Theismann 45 years ago or something. So mm. I, organizationally, I completely disagree with what they're doing. Uh, the NFL, Wes would always say this, you know, f- favor fortune, the fortune favors the bold. You've got to go for it. And the Bears are one team sitting out there playing it safe. I don't like it at all. It's hard, it's hard to see where they're like special. You know, def- defensively, there's just been like a little bit of erosion. They still do have pretty good players, but the secondary, little bit of erosion there. Akeem Hicks, maybe not quite the difference maker that he used to be. They hope they get more out of Robert Quinn. There, I think there is a path to keeping this game close. The, you know, the Rams, there's so much to be excited about on offense, but 
you do want to see it. They haven't, you know, practiced or, you know, played, you know, meaningful snaps together yet at all. I can remember the last couple openers they had after sitting out the preseason. There was that Raiders game on Monday night, which they ended up winning in a walk in, in this other Panthers game, where it was like a slow start. They're not the deepest team in the world, and this is a team. This is a week where you'd love to be able to play your backups twenty snaps and and give reps to uh, and breaks to your starters. So I, I'm excited to see Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, all that fun stuff. But you haven't you haven't seen it. I think there is a there is a, a avenue here for the Bears to just make this game kind of ugly, and everyone's like, oh, how come this isn't a great good game? And it's like twenty six. 21 at the end and you know the rams escape i could see that there's another catchphrase or another phrase mark um chance favors the prepared mind bad guy what? number one from under siege to dark territory feels a little less catchy to me and perhaps little, I, I botched the initial phrase when i attempted to say it so perhaps under the bears, siege two under siege two dark territory that's the one on the train there's the one on the battleship under siege one and that's, that's got absurd. the tommy lee jones performance it's excellent and then you have the second one with uh, Eric Bedosian, uh, Dark Territory. Not as good, but Travis Dane is a great bad guy in it. And uh, I will just say that ties into this game. Uh, hmm, let me figure out how that ties in. Oh, uh, maybe Andy Dalton, they just feel he's better prepared for this moment, and they, they want to let Justin Fields marinate. I'm not here to tell you that's what they should do, uh, but maybe they think this will help Justin Fields in the long run to get his feet wet on the sideline and maybe come in at some point. Uh, but everyone wants the same thing. And and ultimately, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy need it to happen, too, if they want to continue to coach and GM with the Bears. So, Okay. Can't wait to see Matthew Stafford with Sean McVay. That's going to be fun. Hopefully he stays healthy. All right. Monday Night Football. Baltimore Ravens. Las Vegas Raiders. See the way they set this up. You got... Whoa. You got breaking news? I have some unfortunate breaking news. What? According to Ian Rappaport, the Ra- the Ravens cut short practice today after cornerback Marcus Peters and running back Gus Edwards sustained potentially significant knee injuries on back-to-back plays. Um, the team is having another tests running back back-to-back plays. They think Gus S- Edwards might be out for the entire season. Whoa! Devastating and they've lost that blow. entire backfield. Well, they just signed Le'Veon Bell, so right. it's like, are we going to see him now? This is—it's. I mean, that is devastating. And back-to-back plays, like, what is happening over there? Greg, you mentioned how weird and strange and somewhat sinister their camp was. I mean, it is extended with a with a huge uh, hammer punch right there. I mean, that is—they—they they have no running back. This is—it's insane. They've had a terrible. Time of it. This is why it's like they shouldn't ask us to lock in our NFL.com predictions uh, too early because it's like, okay, now I got the Browns in the playoffs, Mark. There you go. Um, that I, I'm not trying to make light of it. It it stinks because, well, for many reasons, but it it's there's a point where you still do need a running back. They like Tyson Williams, who who I thought showed some things. We don't know much about him. Um, a second year player, but he's now you, you in theory would be your lead guy. And you get some other guys off the street, and so they Marcus, just said Lev Bell to their practice squad, right? Right, and they and they said and he may be active. They you said know, he might be active, be. which is yeah. a sign he probably will be, especially after this injury. You're probably not giving him a lot of stuff. But Marcus Peters is the bigger injury here because mm. as good as their secondary is, I I did think they were a little more vulnerable this year 
if even one guy goes down. And now Jimmy Smith, who's been banged up, and Marcus Peters. It's just you start to take away a lot of pieces. Man, the Raiders are catching the Ravens at the right time. Unbelievable. And that and it just goes to show you and when J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL in the preseason game. It was like another feather in the cap for people that are like, "Hey, don't uh, don't play your starters in the in these games that don't matter." It, it's football. These guys, the their bodies and the the speed and the power involved. It, even a simple practice, um, devastating things can happen. So that is that's a, a very tough loss. Both sides of the ball. We don't know. We're learning this in real time. Obviously, we don't know about either injury. Uh, but just based on initial reports, it does not sound good. Sounds for... like torn ACLs. He, right. Nice. Rappaport says both of them will be just confirming it. So usually brutal. He throws brutal, that brutal, out brutal. there. That's... So the Ravens obviously now are dealing with. Big time issues on both sides of the ball as they travel to the desert to face the Raiders um, at Allegiant Stadium, I believe it is Allegiant. I don't know. And uh, and for the Raiders, this is a um, a nice early test for them after their latest late season fade, um, and it's a big season, obviously for them as they need to prove that they're going in the right direction. Um, what do you think about this matchup? I think this this feels like to me, and that was before, even before these injuries. Greg, this felt like one of those on a Monday night uh, with the Raiders and their fans, and that building's going to be going off, the first uh, Vegas home game. Of course, after COVID last year, there were no fans in that new stadium. Uh, I I think this is a coin flip game, and I'm actually leaning the Raiders. Yeah, I thought it was a coin flip game, too. I thought it's two offenses that like to slow the pace down, or at least run the ball a lot. The Ravens do it in a fast way. The Raiders do it in a slow way. In those types of games, the Raiders played it every week last year. Eight series, nine series for each team tends to inspire a close game. And now with Lamar, who just hasn't had a lot of reps in terms of the passing weapons around him in camp, you just feel like it's going to be more about the running game. I, I know they're, they're short a few running backs. It doesn't matter. Lamar makes – I mean, it matters, but they're still going to try to run the ball and Lamar makes them a good running game. But I, I think the Raiders fans that are optimistic that their defense is going to be better this year, like there are reasons to believe that. The, the guys who were problems for them last year, a lot of them are backups now, and they do look better on paper, They're, and they do have a d- good coach. There is a, a route here to go from like 30th and 32nd in defense to 20th, which would make all the difference in the world for Derek Carr and would make them a contender. And yeah, make this is a tough out. I think the home crowd thing, not to just keep rambling, but we haven't talked, post-pandemic crowds are... Going nuts. It's a thing. I think that I mean, matters a lot. I mean, you like, have your their owner didn't even sit in the stadium last year because he was banded with the fans. If they couldn't be there, he wouldn't be there. I would note this about Baltimore. Last three seasons, few teams have opened as well as they have. 144 points to 19. They've outscored opponents whoa. in the last three openers. I but the the Ravens are changing um, dramatically. You know, as we speak. So I, I I'm now edging. I would I would go Raiders in a in a close one at this point. They play a lot of their starters in the preseason, as we've noted. They're historically good, and that you know that would support that week one stat, which I didn't know. Mark uh, would support that they're pretty good starters, maybe because they're ready to go. The Raiders, on the other hand, uh, sat everyone. But yeah, these post pandemic crowds, they're having an impact. The, the U.S. Open crowd for tennis is unlike anything I've ever seen in tennis. It's, I think people are just and check out Courts of Thunder, by the way. You know my pot, my tennis pocket. How many plugs? But, How many plugs? I mean, a lot of plugs. Right. That's it. We're done for. We're done for the season after that. But like, I really think it could be a fact. Like, absolutely. How would that not help the, this Raiders team out on Monday night? I think it could be rocking. Yeah. All right. 
Now, before we say goodbye, we have four more games, and we'll do it more in a uh, speed round fashion. So if you guys have any thoughts on each of these games, get them out, and we'll keep moving. Uh, We'll start with the New York Jets at Carolina Panthers. The Darnold Bowl. And there's a lot of mental gymnastics going on in the head of uh, the the old Zeuser and every other Jet fan trying to make sense of how to process this game because (laughs) um, we all had a lot invested in Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. And now we have a lot invested in Zach Wilson, and now they're both on the field together, and they're both under the age of 24. It's all it's just a lot. It's just a lot of uh, to process. But I'm excited to see, obviously, how Zach Wilson looks uh, in his first game. Um, I'm excited to see Corey Davis and Elijah Moore play together. Uh, they'll be starting. Jameson Crowder's status is up in the air after he contracted COVID, so it looks like Elijah Moore uh, will be starting with um, Corey Davis and Keenan Cole in three wide receiver sets. And on the uh, Carolina side of the ball, Matt Rule um, didn't get a chance to have Christian McCaffrey as a main part of his team last year. I think he's going to give the Jets a lot of trouble in this game. I think if you drafted Christian McCaffrey uh, this season, uh, week one is going to make you feel real good because I see him going Mm. for 150-plus total yards, a couple touchdowns. I just don't know if there's anybody on the Jets that can cover him. C.J. Mosley coming back from two years off. Not a great coverage guy in the first place. Uh, there's going to be a lot of issues trying to stop Christian McCaffrey. So I think this will be a pretty close game. I think uh, the Jets' defense is why the Panthers are going to win. I think the Jets have a lot of work to do on defense. This is, I, I, would, th- I would say, the most um, dramatic and intriguing Jets opener since the days of Rex Ryan. I mean, I, I don't know if you'd agree with that, Dan, but there is optimism. You've got a good coaching staff. The offense is going to look completely different. Zach Wilson looked as advertised in the in the preseason, I, there is one um, member of NFL media's staff that picked the Panthers to make the playoffs, and it is the person speaking right now. I think that the they are being overlooked. Um, they were juicy at times last year. They lost a ton of close one-score games. The guy is drunk. I am not drunk, <laughs> not yet. I am telling you, I, this Panthers team is going to be intriguing more than people expect. But it does. You do have to see what Darnold is because there's mm. another scenario where Darnold is a total flop. Yeah, how about how, how about Sam Darnold? Um, you don't spend the whole week. Well, it's just another game. I'm not really any more into it than uh, any other game. It doesn't matter. How, how about a little fire from uh, Sam Darnold? He's not uh, a fiery you know, like guy. He, no, he doesn't. He doesn't play play with it. I'm I'm just I'm just sick of hearing quarterbacks say like that. Please, this team gave up on you. They gave you Adam Gase. They gave you no support. If he's not furious uh, at a lot of aspects of his Jets career. Something's wrong here. He should want to light hey man, them on he's fire. He's a SoCal guy. He's a chill SoCal right. guy. Yeah. Um, up next, the Minnesota Vikings at Cincinnati Bengals. Kind of like this game because I just want to see how Joe Burrow looks in his first game back after the knee injury. And I think Minnesota, who I think I picked them for the playoffs on NFL.com, um, you're going to want to go to Minnesota and take care of, or to Cincinnati and take care of business here. Their offense was shaky uh, in the preseason. And uh, in the summer, in the practices, according to those who follow the team. Uh, but you think they're going to take care of business here, Greg? I, I do, but I think it'll be like an ugly game. Another one where you kind of like like the uh, low score. Because both teams, I think, are going to be able to get after the quarterback. The Vikings' offensive line might be worse than the Bengals. who I think it's almost been overstated how bad their line might be. But the, like, the Vikings' defensive line is going to be really good. My one little Bengals point is watch out for this defense. They... Maybe it was just because they were playing the Bengals offense, but man, the reporters really believed like they were taking a, a step forward. They've had some continuity that it could be a better defense than people think. And so this, 
I'm not sure if I want to watch this game that much. I think it could be low and a little ugly. I don't know if I love their secondary versus Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, but we will see. And there's this will be a better of... Vikings team than a year ago. I, I wrote in the power rankings that the Vikings offense is built like a, a Jenga tower. You, you need high-level Pro Bowl seasons, level seasons from Cousins, from Cook, from Thielen, from Jefferson. If you don't get those things or you get injuries, look out. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars at Houston Texans. Um, listen, we all know the Texans are a mess right now. Tyrod Taylor is their quarterback. Uh, they just traded their only quarterback, cornerback of note uh, to the Saints. So this is going to be a team everybody's going to stomp on. Uh, the, the spread, mm. the de- desert only has it at, at, at three points here. And I thought about locking up Trevor Lawrence in his debut, Ooh. but that's I, that's just not fun. Who wants to? Lock I thought up about the locking right up now? the Texans. I think the Texans should be favored. This is a one-win team that's on the road. I think if you look at roster spots twenty through fifty, the Texans are probably a little uh, more talented. I'm not into the Texans. I just think like NFL teams aren't that different from top to bottom, and these are two at the very bottom. And I think there is a route. Uh, here with the Texans. How they're going to play is a lot of running, a lot of Philip Lindsay, a lot of David Johnson, a lot of Tyrod Taylor, and it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty, but this is a coin flip at best, and I, I would take the home team just because they're home. Well, you are you are very low on Jacksonville. I mean, I mean, couldn't you also see the Texans going 2-15? and 15? And getting their asses blown out? Sure, but one? this is like, yeah, ah! but if you look at their season, kind of like the Jaguars getting that week one victory last year over the Colts, it's like, isn't a home game against the Jaguars the easiest game on the Texans' schedule? You know, if you flip it around, like this is a game that they absolutely can win. They're not going to be overwhelmed, I don't think. With you're with right, talent. but I, I look at Jacksonville's skilled players on offense, and I, I there's a lot to like there. I, I hate that they lost Travis Etienne, but I mean their their wide receiver group is solid. If, if, if Trevor Lawrence this is advertised, and I thought you know his later preseason work was marvelous, that. I, I think they can be a much better team than they were last year. They lost a lot of close games last year. They were not a genuine one in fifteen team in my book. At it's least a very until spice rack. Uh, it it's a spice rack saying, you know, beware like the slight home, un, you know, the two and a half point slight uh, home underdog. Like eh, be, beware, you know. One one quick note on both these teams: uh, there has not been a number one overall pick quarterback that's won his season debut. Since David Carr in 2002, 12 and one. That surprised me. That's that. So Trevor Lawrence is against history there. And on the Houston side, I wrote about this in the power rankings. This one NFL coach, an anonymous NFL coach, uh, on the Texans. I think people are going to play the Texans and think they are shitty, and they'll surprise some people. Slap that on a billboard. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like I, I think they could quote. go. F- Right, they could be four and thirteen, and people are really like, "Oh, that's a little better than we thought." It's hard to know who's going to be the very right. But Tyrod Taylor will invariably, you know, will fall into some sort of injury scenario two quarters into this game, anyway. So, and finally, the Denver Broncos at New York Giants. Greg, oh, uh, I thought you were going to. How do you after all this talk about Teddy Two Gloves all summer driving us crazy? You don't even draft him. You let him play the Giants in the shadows. It's opposite the Patriots game. I. You want to watch it with full attention on Game Pass, so you're kind of knocking out your backup game. I, the thing you can get me on, uh, get on me for, is not locking them up because that was kind of my mindset just until the show started. I do like the Broncos in this game. I'm a little worried that Bradley Chubb isn't 100% healthy. Von Miller playing his first game uh, in a couple years. Maybe the mismatch up front isn't quite as big as Giants fans would fear. They have got some good injury news. Galladay is practicing. Tony is practicing. 
Uh, Barkley is practicing, so Ingram is really the only key player that looks like he's probably out for the Giants. That's good, uh, and I think both teams are so conservative. They both love to run the ball so much that it could be pretty low scoring, but I still do like the Broncos to win. Of course. I mean, I'll, I look at the Giants, though. I just don't like the start to their season at all. We don't know how much we'll see Saquon Barkley. Evan Ingram is out. Kadarius Toney missed essentially all of camp with COVID and a hamstring issue. Kenny Galladay basically told reporters this week, um, prepare for the Giants to start slow. Okay, that's not what you want your um, big free agent wide receiver to be telling reporters necessarily. The offensive line is an absolute mess. I mean, The Athletic had a comment about Andrew Thomas and his preseason finale setting off alarms because of how poorly he played. I mean, he looks like it could be a complete bust. The line from tackle to tackle is sort of a mess, and they're asking Daniel Jones to make some sort of Josh Allen leap. Good luck with that. I mean, everything you're saying is true, and they might have the worst offensive line in the league, and if the Broncos don't beat the Giants in week one, everything Greg said uh, will just look absolutely ridiculous. It's on the road. Absolutely ridiculous. A a travesty uh, for Greg. That's what it would be. Let's go Broncos. All right. Good stuff. Hey, hey, Ricky, before we sign off and uh, get ready for the Thursday night opener, um, what are the uh, announcer uh, assignments for week one? For week one, you want me to go through every every game? Uh, who's Where's... Um, we'll play. You want to do the no. CBS big ones? Yeah, give me those. Yeah, so uh, the Jets and Panthers, we have Catalan, Lofton, and Burris. What's the Romo game? What's the Romo-Nance game? The Romo game is Cleveland-Kansas City. Oh, so he's going to go. He, you know, I, don't, I don't even want to deal with it. Romo is going to just talk about <laughs> Patrick Mahomes for four straight hours. It's what happened in the playoff game. Totally obnoxious. Greg, you also, for Miami, New England, get Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, which is decent. Well, I mean, it's like half, it, half decent. it's like being served like the best steak possible at like the most amazing restaurant. And then they like, you know, give you a piece of for dessert. That's oh, what it, that's what my it's goodness, like. Greg. It's just football. <laughs> um, where, what about uh, Buck and Aikman? <laughs> Uh, let's see. They are Packers I, Saints. Packers yes, Saints. Packers Saints. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it's you know. There's a couple new teams there. Yeah. Got, um, Iron Eagles got the Buffalo Pittsburgh. With Iron Charles Eagle Davis. Charles Davis are still the number two team for CVS. Yep. Adam Archuleta is now with Greg Gumble. So keep an eye on that. Spiro Didis is now with Jay Feely, and Tom McCarthy with Tiki Barber. Ooh. Beth Mutt. Beth Mowens, she she had a regular gig last year, I believe. She she's not some week, yeah, some weeks, uh, not others. You know, it's like depends on how much they have. Uh, Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart is the number two Fox team. That might be the uh, the biggest. That's a great team. Is, is Friend of the show, Kevin Burkhart. Yeah, that's a great team. Okay. Nice. All right. So great one job, more you time. Guys. Thank you, Ricky. Um, NFL Network broadcast premieres the rebooted around the NFL broadcast premieres. Friday morning on NFL Network. There's a re-air later in the day. I already checked, so set your DVRs if you can't watch it live. And yes, Sunday night. Make sure you hit constant refresh on your podcast player of choice because the flagship edition of the Around the NFL podcast will drop at that time. And yes, since we started years ago, I think we kicked some of the industry and the old behind. A lot of people have said, oh, let's wait till Monday to do our shows. That doesn't happen so much anymore after we came around uh, so there are other quote-unquote competitors, but you know the flagship show is where you go to get a great breakdown of all the action that happened on Sunday in the NFL with Nick Shook helping us out. Uh, anything else, boys? That's it. 
No, I'm good. Like, I'm gonna. I can't wait to just you know touch your faces later tonight. I'm just gonna calm your face. That is extremely <laughs> sensual. A little disturbing. All right, good stuff. All right, until Friday for TV and Sunday for the podcast. Heed the call. <laughs>